Good morning. I'm Joanna Roach, and you're listening to The Nature of Nantucket, brought to you by the Mariah Mitchell Association. Today, I am here with Dan Drake, who many of our listeners will know. Dan was formerly the president of the board at the Mariah Mitchell Association and is currently the president of the board at the Linda Loring Association, Nature Foundation. So, Dan, welcome and thank you for being here. Thank you, Joanna. Glad to Um, participate. Yeah, I'm really excited to just ask you some questions about, I think, let's start with the fact that you are a relative or a descendant of Mariah Mitchell. I'm not a descendant. She was never married and, to my knowledge, never had any children. Well, okay. My my great-grandmother was Mariah Mitchell's first cousin. Okay. That's exactly what I was going for. So can we just explain sort of that lineage back? Well, um, William Mitchell was Mariah's father. Right. His younger brother was named Peleg Mitchell. And Peleg Mitchell was, I guess, my great-great-grandfather. My great-grandmother, Lydia Hinchman, Lydia Mitchell Hinchman, was uh, Peleg's daughter. Daughter. Okay. So she, so how many generations then? Were three generations removed? Four generations? Three. Three. Wow. Um, two, three, I guess. Yeah. And how many sort of extended relatives do you have under that umbrella? A bunch. <laughs> I don't know the full total. I would guess there are at least 40, maybe more. And do any of them currently live on Nantucket? Nope. Just you. I'm the only one. Only one. Okay. And do you think that it's been your experience that all of them have felt connected to the family and to sort of the legacy? And and how have you contributed or taught your relatives about that significance? Well, I think all of them, I'm the youngest of eight siblings. And I think almost all of them have contributed to their descendants' knowledge. And occasionally I will get involved, but not very often. As far as the other branches of the family, uh, I can only speak to one other branch where I know that the the current generations knows a fair amount about Mariah Mitchell because their, their grandfather, I guess, yes, grandfather was... Um, Charles Hinchman, who was Lydia Mitchell Hinchman's son, who actually owned what is now the Hinchman House at the and gave it to the association. Yes. Wow. Okay. And I know that there are still maybe some family heirlooms in your in your collection. A few, not not many really, but uh, I think most of the Mitchell heirlooms went to other. I mean, obviously, my family is a big family, so there things like that were pretty widely spread. Um, the most interesting is that blanket that uh, my uh, sister-in-law or my niece uh, donated to the Mariah Mitchell a couple of years ago, which is a blanket that started in, uh, I think, around 1740 and was given to the oldest female descendant in the line and one of them happened to be mariah mitchell and then because ultimately my mother was the only was the oldest female descendant of the subsequent generations uh she ended up with it 
And it then went to her, not her oldest granddaughter, because her oldest granddaughter didn't have any daughters, but went to the next granddaughter who has a, uh, has a daughter. But my niece, that niece decided to give the blanket to the uh, Mariah Mitchell. And actually her daughter, who would have had it and actually did not know it had been given, uh, was uh, on the island this fall and, and visited the Mitchell house and saw the blanket. That's great. That's great. That's a great story. Thanks, Dan. And the blanket's kind of unique. I might just add the blanket's kind of unique because it has the name of each recipient sewn into the tape around the edge of the blanket. Wow. Very special. And so in terms of your involvement with the Mariah Mitchell Association, when did you become involved or interested or supportive? Well, I first became involved as a little kid, and I went to nature classes. My my parents were involved. My father was, I guess he was president for a while. Um, he was certainly involved. Uh, for most of his life, he wrote a history of the first 50 years of the Mariah Mitchell Association. And um, I mean, it's just sort of in my, been in my blood. And when I was, a, as an adult, I first got involved as a member of the Finance Committee and then moved on to treasurer and eventually to president. Yeah. And then how did you become interested in Linda Loring? That's, kind a of long, similar, that, right? that's a long. That's a long story. I don't think you want to take up your twenty minutes for that. But it's. Uh, uh, I. I mean, Linda was. Up, we live out in, off the Warren's Landing Road. Linda was obviously a neighbor. Um, I didn't really know her terribly well until I was uh, involved as president of the Brian Mitchell Association. And at that time, in the late nineties, all of the all of the. Uh, conservation organizations on the island were making a play for Linda's land. Linda did not have any uh, husband or any descendants at that point. And so um, I first got to know her in the late 90s when we went and we visited with her. And we, we sort of hit it off, although I won't go into the details. We had an altercation and she got quite, not an altercation, but I pointed some fact out to her about her new foundation that she didn't want to hear. So I didn't hear from her for several years after that. And then um, when the idea of the, of the land council buying her uh, a conservation easement on her property came up, I happened to be involved with a weekly newspaper, short-lived weekly newspaper on Nantucket and wrote a column for that paper and advocated for the, uh, for the conservation easement. And it ultimately happened. And, uh, thankfully. Yes, thankfully. I mean, I know she tried, she was in fairly heavy negotiations with the land bank back then, but the uh, that sale fell through on the fact that she did not want any deer hunting on the property. And the fellows in, and the good old God boys who were in charge of the land bank would not agree to a restriction on, on hunting on the property. So that killed that deal off. I don't know what else she may have talked about. But, uh, so she set up a foundation uh, back in the um, 
again in 1998, I think it was, or 99. And um, I mean, she said sort of a vision, but she didn't really know what the vision was. Um, and it's gradually played out over the years into what has turned out to be a very, um, hopefully a very meaningful effort, preservation of that land and learning from the land. That's right. And how long have you been board president for Linda Loring? I have been president of, from Linda Loring since about, well, I had one term and then I got kicked off. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. And then she came back to me. I've been involved for, I guess, about uh, 12 years, one way or another. Yeah. And where do you see sort of the future going? Of what? Of, I, I think the Linda Loring Foundation, I would love to talk a little bit about that. And then I'd like to just generally talk about the things that have been changing on Nantucket. Well, I think, again, I think the Linda Loring Nature Foundation went through a strategic planning process a couple of years ago uh, where we determined that our mission really was education and research based on the wonderful piece of land that we received from Linda. Before we got the land at her, at her death, uh, we really wasn't, weren't quite sure what our mission was going to be because we didn't know what was going to happen when she died. She never told us. And so at that point, we, we embarked on um, this effort. And we're, you know, we are hoping at some point to build a new building out there. But we're, you know, there when some when you're dealing with an estate, there are all kinds of issues that have to be dealt with, and and uh, you have the added complication in Massachusetts of the land court, which puts another layer of of delay, and and so technically we don't own the land yet that she gave us. Um, you know, at one at one level of the legalities we do, at another level we don't. So anyway, that's probably enough of that. Got it. And so, you know, having been involved in sort of these nonprofits that have been largely focused on science and research and conservation and, and really nurturing the message of connection to nature, how do you feel and what do you see about Nantucket right now? Like, where are we going? Well, Nantucket has been tremendously fortunate to... Uh, have as much land as it has dedicated to conservation. I think there are arguments that there's at some point it's too much, whether that point has already passed or not, people will disagree on. Um, but but be that as it may, we are very fortunate to have all, all this land and, and it's used for many different purposes. I think other than maybe the Conservation Foundation, we're unique in not in, in in you know basically living off the land that we have here in the sense of using it to to nurture our our uh, resources and, and and focus on particular things uh, which if we didn't have the land we would not be able to to pinpoint exactly how we wanted to to go forward I think and uh, you know we've made a decision we don't want to be a nature center we don't want to be you know while we want people to know and enjoy the property we don't want it to become a playground so to speak uh, and um, i think 
that is something that uh, is is really important for Nantucket. I mean, we love to have other groups come and use it, but we don't want to want don't want to abuse it, if you will. Um, and I think there's some danger of that happening in some of the other properties on Nantucket. And uh, so we're we're trying. We're fortunate and we're very focused on one piece of land, which is very special piece of land. And, you know, there are issues that we can deal with here that that uh, are are important to the island as a whole in in the sense of, of um, you know, things like the impact of climate change and rising sea levels, because being on having a, a significant frontage on Long Pond, uh, people may not realize it, but it is tied to the ocean through Madica Ditch. And so there are tides in in Tucket in uh, Long Pond, and there are are um, consequences of big the bigger storms that we've been having or that, that are happening around us. And uh, we are setting ourselves up a bit of as a bit of a laboratory for dealing with those issues and then coastal resilience. Excellent. Yep, I agree with you. And in your years on Nantucket, you know, how how do you see us faring in terms of preservation, <laughs> right? If, if radio could talk, it would have read my face. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, I think it's, uh, you know, obviously the world changes. You can't, you can't exactly stay where, where you were. Uh, and, uh, but, you know, I think some of the things that are being talked about now are really important to the future of the island and its character. I mean, there are many aspects of Nantucket's character. It's not just Main Street, or it's not just the beaches, or it's uh, not, um, you know, the pops on, on the 4th of July. It's... Uh, Every area has something special about it, and to the extent that and and the community has something special to it, and to the extent those that get degraded, uh, there are problems. And you know, we haven't shown ourselves as being very good at facing up to those problems and dealing with them. Hopefully, some of the proposals that are coming up will help with that. But uh, it's uh, it, it's not an easy road ahead for Nantucket. Yes, I would agree with you. I mean, do you have like two or three things that you think are important for people to consider or or do you have um, ideas about ways in which we can I don't, I, I don't have any very good ideas, but the, uh, the, the thing that's the most important, I think, is the housing situation. Um, somebody's got to be bite the bullet and be very forceful and not just say no because that doesn't work and come up with some proposal that people can buy into. You know, there has to be housing for the community who support not only the people who are coming in and, and uh, paying a lot of money to rent houses, but also to support the merchants and everybody who's out there who has uh, needs staff need to, uh, again, assure the character of Nantucket going forward. I, I think that um, most people would agree that, you know, the housing situation is critical 
in nature and definitely need some. I think it's a, I think it's more than critical. I think it's at a crisis point. Crisis point. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of your connection to nature on Nantucket, what are some of your favorite places that you like to be or, or like to go? Well, I love the beach. I mean, I, I used to go to the beach all the time. I don't now because of certain physical limitations, but um, I love the beach. We used to go play in the state forest a lot when I was a kid, and that was quite a special place then. I'm not so sure it is now. Uh, I haven't, frankly, I haven't been in a while, and, and I know it's changed. Um, and part of it is it's not maintained. Um, and, uh, you know, but then there, there are all kinds of places that are special on, on this island, whether it be uh, the woods, some of the woods, some of the uh, uh, trails that have been made, uh, all make it, all, all com uh, combine to make it really, really special. Yeah, it's true. So what's your favorite beach, Dan? I like, I'm a little bit biased towards Madigan Beach. <laughs> Fair enough. Best sunset, maybe, on the island. <laughs> well, uh, I joke because, you know, we I took a picture the, a couple of years ago of the sunset from Madigan Beach in February. and There wasn't another soul on the beach. And I sent it out to some friends and I said, this is what Nantucket used to be like. Seriously, I'd go, we'd go to the beach in the summer and there'd be nobody there. Yeah. Or a picnic or something, you know, late late in the afternoon, early evening. Mm -hmm. there, are, there are still some places you can go in July and August and see no one. But I, I think you're right. They're probably few and far between mm -hmm. at this point in time. Right. Yeah. Do you have any stories that you might want to share about your time at Mariah Mitchell or things that stand out to you as memorable? Um. Well, there are, there are a number of things that stand out. One of them was the one of the. I mean, it's silly, but it you know was a pain in the neck when it happened. The, the the bees in the roof of the library that were threatening a neighbor, according to her. Um, no, I mean I think the Mariah Mitchell is is a very special place to to. Uh, I mean, certainly to me, but to the island, I think it's in a way it's a pity that more people aren't. Uh, as tuned into it as perhaps would be nice. Um, but, um, I mean, I think it's, it's evolved over the years, like everything else. Um, it's, it's, uh, become a, a much, um, a more vibrant organization. It used to be pretty sleepy, frankly. Um, and, uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a good place. It's a good part of the fabric of the island. Thank you. So we, and we appreciate you, Dan, and your family for all of the contributions and service that you have given to the association. And I thank you for joining us today. And if you have been listening, I'm Joanna Roach. You're listening to The Nature of Nantucket. I've been speaking with Dan Drake. And have a great day. Thanks. <laughs>